This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company, and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys Podcast, and I have Rob Michaels on the line. He's a chaplain, a former police detective, and the founder of Serve and Protect. How are you doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. Well, you know, I've been interested and fascinated by your story, and I've wanted to talk with you for a while, and so I'm excited that we get a chance now. I've been in the middle of job transitions and craziness Um and so it's been uh, really uh, a long time coming. And then a, a couple of events have happened that have actually caused me to think about you and the work that you do, obviously the Orlando shooting and, and a few other things that we've seen happen across the globe when it comes to terrorism in the last few weeks. And so I guess getting, getting into this, the first question that I have for you is, you know, what is Serve and Protect? Tell me a little bit about, about the organization and why you created it. Wow, um, that's a big story. Um, it actually is a culmination of 41 years of training. Uh, God has a way of taking us through different phases of life to prepare us for what he wants us to do. Uh, I had a friend tell me that uh, my resume would drive a career, pra- career planner crazy. Um, I went from being a police officer, uh, well, an MP before that, to a police officer, to Bible college, to grad school, got in the music business for 30 years, and ended up uh, sitting on the front row of church one Sunday morning, knowing that there was something more, that I wasn't there yet, and just asked God to give me wisdom. Uh, Actually, it's kind of funny because somebody had my second row seat. You know, I'm a creature of habit. I always sat in the same seat, and everybody around me knew it, but must have been a new guy. But at any rate, I sat on the front row, and I just started praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And this is what came to mind. And I went home, put a business plan together. And and Serve and Protect began as a a chaplain's organization. I assembled a network through various associations of about 5,000 chaplains. Uh, Within 30 days, I partnered with a crisis line, uh, Safe Call Now, out in the West Coast. And the call started coming, but it wasn't for anybody that was a chaplain. They were looking for trauma therapists. So very quickly, I learned that 99% of our calls coming in were not for chaplains, rather to get help with post-traumatic stress and the various symptoms that are associated with that. And so that's how we began our journey. And it's been five years now. 
uh, uh, that'll be tomorrow, actually. It'll be our birthday. And uh, in the process, we've helped about 2,500 people, which nets to about 12,500 calls because every person that asks for help, I interview every therapist as I do my research to find one that's a good fit. I won't make a referral until I've interviewed the therapist. And I find one that is in their area, that takes their insurance, understands their job, and is really focused on trauma therapy. But that's how it started. Oh, wow. Well, you you said it's a big story, and I know it is. You were able to really condense it there uh, and, and give us a good idea of why it is um, you're doing the work you do. And I think... Well, the why... Let me, let me back up just a second. The why, 85% of uh, public safety professionals have some symptoms of post-traumatic stress. Now, I'm going to tell you it's 100%. From the very first fatality, from the very first um, gunshot victim or traumatic incident that they see, they're never going to be the same. You can't go through that same experience twice. You've already been, if you will, tainted by, by trauma. And, and it's the beginning of a process. Uh, every 17 hours, a police officer commits suicide. 75% of police and 87% of firefighters are divorced at least one time. Therein lies why the need exists. Well, and what I, what I was thinking after the Orlando shooting was, you know, all of these – we really don't think about this, I think, as citizens who aren't in law enforcement. When an event happens, whether it's something horrific domestically, whether it's a, a domestic terror attack or an international terror attack, we don't think about the people – who are there dealing with it and walking into a room or into a club where all of these people um, have been slaughtered. I mean, the thought of that is it's not something we think about. And when you try to think about it, it's almost unimaginable. So to assume that people um, who have been trained, but training, what, I mean, what does training mean? It doesn't change the human condition. I mean, you're seeing these awful things that you then have to live with in process. Um, that is just an unbelievable thing to me. So take me through what it's like to work in a field where you're dealing with those sorts of things as somebody who I'm sure has seen many things himself. Yeah. Um, when I was a rookie, one of the first major fatalities I saw, it was a quintuple fatality. A uh, carload of people had gone to see the Funkadelics. And um, you, when we got into the car, you could tell that um, marijuana had been consumed because you could smell it. But they were driving so fast and hit an aluminum pole, it just absolutely snapped every neck in the car, except for one, the girl that lived, but it crushed her legs. When you see that, it's hard to wrap your head around it. So imagine all of the people involved in Orlando. It wouldn't just be the, the police. You would have the paramedics who responded, the people in law enforcement, and then you've got the evidence recovery team. They're the ones that have to go in and photograph all the bodies, uh, video the crime scene, make sure all of the evidence is, evidence is collected and tagged and documented. I mean, it is a full-on um, experience of trauma. And not to mention the fact that when they first breached and got in, 
there would have been, you know, and the news broke, there would have been phones ringing in the pockets of the dead people, knowing that that's parents trying to get a hold of their child. And there would have been the sights and the sounds and the smell of all of that death. And when they walk away from there, it's not something that they just go, ah, okay, let's go home. Um, I was just at a conference with chaplains, and uh, a couple of them have been at San Bernardino. And, and listening to what they went through and how they, you know, how the officers or the agents out there responded to that crime scene. I mean, and, and in addition to mass casualties like that, Consider this, and, and you don't hear this in the media. They didn't talk about it last week. But last week, over a 72-hour period, seven police officers were shot. One of them died. One of them was shot seven times, and he lived. There was an eighth, if you consider a security guard out in San Bernardino that got shot in the face. He survived. 72 hours eight people representing the law enforcement community were shot. You know, that's horrific. And the public doesn't know about a lot of this stuff. But not just experiencing the trauma firsthand, but when you hear things like people chanting, what do we want? Dead cops. When do we want them? Now. When you see activist groups put out directives to their peers, um, kill cops. And then you see a police officer down in Houston get shot in the back of the head. There's a cause and effect. So those things about our brothers and sisters who are getting killed or wounded have an impact on us directly. Because then you've got to wonder, hmm, I remember going to roll call one night when I was a, an officer in Norfolk, and the sergeant said, guys and gals, I want to tell you something. Somebody called in and said they're going to kill a cop tonight. Be careful out there. Sounded like Hill Street Blues. But, but I got in my car, went on patrol, I got a call to a pretty tough neighborhood that somebody wanted to speak to a police officer. It was two in the morning. I pulled up. The house was dark. You still got to go to the door and knock on it. And so you go to the door. You stand to the side of the door and reach over and knock on the door because too often a police officer knocks standing in front of the door and gets shot. So you take that precaution and you knock on the door and nothing. Then the hair stands up on the back of your neck and you're thinking, is this the one? So I put my hand on my firearm, I walked back to my car, and drove away. And fortunately, it wasn't the time. But those are things that cause trauma, that cause you to be hypersensitive, callous, cynical. And it, and it changes you. I call it a cast iron shield because you have to learn to deal with that trauma and those feelings or else you can't do the job. Yeah, I mean, and, and now you have this other element um, of, of terrorism that's sort of seeped into this, that where we've had numerous issues happening, San Bernardino, Orlando, the Garland, Texas um, issue, which obviously didn't end as, as 
badly at all as the other two did, um, at least when it came to American lives. What, you know, when it comes to all of this, do you think that, that police are properly, and this is a generalization, a question that's sort of based on a generalization, it might be hard to answer. Do you think there is enough being done within departments to prepare not just police, but um, paramedics and others for the types of things that they see on the ground? You know, it's kind of hard to prepare for what you may not know. When I was on the police department, um, we had no issue with terrorism. Now you've got ISIS calling for the murder of police officers and their families, military and their families. And, And by the way, we're getting more and more calls now from veterans because they're not getting the help they need from the VA. They hear about us. And they call for help. And, and by golly, we're going to help them. But, you know, um, post-traumatic stress is a fairly new, it's, it's not a new condition, but it's come to the awareness, to the surface more and more in law enforcement circles over the past several years. Um, part of the problem is they know what it is, but officers are afraid to report it because they're afraid they're going to lose their gun and badge because post-traumatic stress currently is called a mental disorder, meaning they can't carry a gun and badge because too often the condition is treated with medication, which eliminates them. On the other hand, you've got Alaska that just recently passed a bill before the House and Senate put it on the governor's desk to request that post-traumatic stress be redefined as an injury because that's really what it is we're talking about an emotional wound you know if you pull up on the scene of an accident you break a window and you reach in and you slice your arm open that's a physical wound what happens if you don't take care of it well it can get infected if you still don't take care of it you can die well what if you look in the back seat and there's a dead child remind you of your child at home it's an emotional wound If that's not taken care of properly, it can lead to suicide because, or addictions, or other things, Um, other ways of trying to stop that noise that's going on in their brain and those nightmares and flashbacks and sleeplessness and depression. Addiction is not a symptom of post-traumatic stress as a byproduct, but too often departments do a critical incident debriefing. They'll gather them in, so what did you guys see, what was your part, this, that, and the other. The problem is, a month later, what's going to happen? What are they thinking about? Well, that may be when it really hits them. So, you know, it's a mixed bag. I just found out that a major department is going to hand out our cards and flyers in every in-service training for the next two and a half years because they want to help their people. And that came about because a police officer's wife heard me on a nationally televised radio show. And she says, I want to get involved in that. So our cards are going out in a major city now. We, we hand out wallet-sized cards that are made fairly indestructible, like playing cards, that has all of our information on it. We have a mobile app that's free on our website. But we were doing everything we can. Seminars, uh, we've got a free seminar online um, to educate 
those who are in public safety what post-traumatic stress is, what it's not, and how it can be treated. Now, take me through some of the other things that you've done. And it's not just in the U.S. Um, you serve and protect. You've done, you've done work abroad as well, correct? Well, yeah, we've gotten calls. You know, I thought we were doing all right getting calls from Canada. Then we got Ireland, and then somebody contacted me through Facebook from Norway. And then the next thing you know, I, I got a, uh, a call from one of the chaplains that we affiliate with, and she said, do you think that you could get um, a chaplain for a police officer in Brussels? He was there for the bombing. We found him one. So I can't do that everywhere, but if a call comes in from wherever, I'll do the best that I can to locate a therapist and what we do, like I said, we, we find somebody that's in their area that takes their insurance, understands their job, and I interview each one. And we do all that for free. We're a nonprofit. We don't charge them a dime. That's great. That's amazing and, and much needed. I think, you know, again, we don't, we don't think about that. It's not, I actually did, and only because I knew I'd be talking with you, I started thinking about that, and I thought, I cannot even imagine in the Orlando situation, or any situation, it doesn't matter if it's one victim or more, um, something traumatic like that, having to process it and do your job and do it professionally, and in a way where you're trying not to let that impact you, that, that's hard. And then the impact after that, you know, you're going to feel, and, and even a lasting impact for some people, um, I think is just an unbelievably sad part of that equation. Um, so it is, you know, for, for you. and it doesn't affect everybody the same way. Um, I remember that accident. I remember another accident as I was leaving. I, I left law enforcement and went to a Bible college, Columbia Bible College, and then on to Wheaton College before I got into the music business. But I can remember my last accident. I was a detective. I pulled up at the scene of a car spinning on its roof. There was a, a Volkswagen pinned against the telephone pole, crushed, and... I walked over to that car and stuck my head in the window. It was only about a foot wide, and I heard an 18-year-old college freshman breathe her last breath. Those are things I'm not going to forget. Now, I went through some counseling, and it helped me a great deal. But too often guys think, well, I'm, I'm tough. I can handle this. Well, not so much. You know, it, it'll get to you. Yeah, how could it not? We're human beings, and and I guess my you know my last question for you, um, and and I may also ask you if you want to mention anything else. Maybe we haven't discussed, but when it comes to Christianity and faith, for you, why is it why is this important for people of faith to care about, and not just people of faith, everybody, but specifically people of faith? Why should this be an issue that they're in touch with that they that they understand? Well. We're told in Scripture that the authorities over us are called and ordained by God. So that right there should be enough that we should at least be praying for them. What really got me going this direction was, I've been a police officer. I saw this stuff. And I moved my FOP membership, Fraternal Order of Police, here, became a lodge chaplain and thought I can help out a lot, and started realizing how much worse it was today and I think that, that whether it's politics or public safety, education, 
God wants his people in every aspect of life, entertainment, to honor him. And we have the opportunity through what we do. Uh, when I'm talking with somebody and, and they're telling me what, what's going on and, and why they need to talk to somebody, I'll ask them, because I still offer a chaplain in case they want to talk to somebody. And I'll ask them about their faith experience. And some will say, you know, I used to go to church, but I just got out of it. When I was first on the department, part of what happened is when you're a rookie, you don't get to get off on the weekend. <laughs> you're working. And so you miss church. And then you're out of sight. And then you're out of mind. And, you know, my encouragement um, to the body of Christ is, when you see police officers, thank them. Don't tell your kids he's the boogeyman and he's going to get you if you misbehave. That's a bad thing to do. They need to feel safe going to police. We need to encourage them. I saw where Chick-fil-A um, opened on the Sunday that that incident happened in Orlando so they could help the first responders and those standing in line to give blood. That was a good thing to do. I've seen where... Um, they wore, Chick-fil-A wore back-the-blue T-shirts at one of their stores. And I'm not trying to promote Chick-fil-A. I just know that that's an incident that I know of. But, but you know, we need to be, uh, or locally, some of the churches will prepare a Thanksgiving meal for their police officers, take it down to the station. That's a good thing to do. Call the station and say, hey, listen, would it be okay if we make Thanksgiving dinner for you? Now, they're going to want to know who you are and that you're a recognized organization. But we need to show them that we honor them, that we respect them, because they get enough disrespect and dishonor. Uh, we need to lift them up and, and, in a real sense, be Christ to them. You know, we get a chance here to, to bring, not physical healing, but we get to help them heal their emotional wounds. And I'm going to tell you... Uh, it's an honor for me to help those folks. Well, that's great, and I, I appreciate you taking the time. We'd love to have you back, um, you know, as well. And I guess you know, one, one more question for you. Sure. Um, what is your biggest advice to people who might be looking to help? You know, when something happens the, in the aftermath of it, are there ways that people in the public could help your organization or directly help maybe – um, some of the individuals who are affected because they work in these fields? Sure. The the best thing to do is not just show up um, because the the first responders don't know who you are. The best thing to do is start now when nothing's going on building a relationship. Go down to the police department, the fire department. Say, hey, listen, if you guys ever need anything, here's my card. I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse. Uh, I'm a paramedic. I'm a whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I was a medic in the military, and anything, if you need help, I got your back. Call me. And, and the, they like having that kind of stuff. On the police side, um, most police departments have a Citizens Police Academy. Uh, the FBI has an FBI Citizens Academy, and you can go through that. Obviously, they'll do a background check, but it gives you an idea of what these guys go through, what their job is like. And then they get to know you. And you can let them know, listen, if anything comes up, you know, let me know. Now, for us, um, we're a nonprofit. And any way people want to help financially, we've got a 
portal on our website, serveprotect.org, where people can donate. Um, as much as anything, pray for us. Uh, we're just turning five, um, and I need another me <laughs> to to grow this thing because we've got to do more to get the word out to more people. You know, we've helped 2,500, but there's uh, over a million uh, police. There are probably three million police and fire that that need to know that we're there so they can call us and get help. But that means we've got to have more people to take the calls when they come in. Well, listen, this has been great, and we would love to have you back on the show again. I appreciate you taking the time today. Anytime. founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent and they were all talking a great game and this guy who is selling his house the founder of this uh, this company he's you know he's kind of an important guy and kind of you know should get the best treatment and he said to his wife if this is what it's like for us how do people who have no clout ever get around this so he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through Real Estate Agents I Trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Real estate agents, I trust.com.